Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. counter and um, we used to have a tiny one when we moved in and then we had this leak and so we brought someone in to make this big kitchen counter in the kitchen so we could all sit around there as a family and eat together and we were we had a few days we, we're not that I don't want to make it sound like we're that family we had dinner together every night I really wish that was us but we're not because our kids are there and here and but we had a string of times where we were together at the kitchen counter, and it was miserable. And what I mean by that is it, was, it just felt like we were always arguing. I would get so frustrated with my kids because they argue so much, and then Steph makes it very clear to me, you know where they learned that, right? And she's not talking about herself. It comes from me. And so they've all learned, like, oh, really, is that true? And so we're all like, and then it's, then someone passed another person, and then the food, like, everybody can see the food, and especially the larger people in our family are, like, wondering if someone's going to sneak in and grab more food so they don't get food, so then there's that greedy element floating around, and then it just, it just didn't feel right. It, it, something just didn't feel right inside of me. I felt like, it's almost like you step, like, you can, I, for that moment, I could step out and look into our little fishbowl of a family and go, what is all this stuff floating around? And so during that time, we were getting ready for Lent. And Steph said, I know what I'm going to do for Lent. And I was like, oh, what are you going to do? She goes, I'm going to give up negativity. Now, it's funny that Steph said she's going to give up negativity. One, I don't know how you give up negativity, but she's not negative. If you've been around her, she's like the queen of positive. Hey, happy, happy, happy. Well, not always happy, but she's very positive. And as she's saying it to me, I'm thinking, are you trying to tell me that I should do that? Because I'm the one that's negative? Because I can get, like I said, my kids learn that technique from me. And so I thought, wait a minute, I need to do that. And so she said, this is the verse that I'm going to meditate on. This is the verse that I'm going to memorize and think about. And it's our verse for today. And so this message this morning, I wanted to share with you because I've been going through this. I've been trying to, to look at my heart, look at our family, and to try to focus on that which is true, that which is honorable, that which is just, that which is pure, that which is lovely, that which is commendable, that if it's excellent, we should dwell on it. If it's worthy of praise, we need to sit in it. And so that's the verse that I've tried to memorize and really sit through during this whole time. So we started that process of Lent, and, and I've never done anything like that before. I mean, usually it's like, hey, let's give this up, or let's add this, but it was different. So I'm, I'm trying to meditate on this verse every day and, and wrestle with it. And so we're at the kitchen counter again, and the same thing starts to happen. And so I share the verse, and I, I talk with our whole family about it. But I also added something. 
because my, my buddy Larry here had, had showed me a book, and I'd heard about the book, and I'd heard about the study, but I incorporated it with them. And I, I said, guys, I want to draw your attention to this study. Now, I know that sounds weird to you to be at a kitchen counter and to pull your kids together. I want to I expose you to this experiment that was done, but my kids were not surprised because that's what I do. And so the study that we looked at was from, um, well, it's this guy, Dr. Omoto, Masaru Omoto, and what he did was is he would take water. Trust me, it's all fake. <laughs> I know it looks like a jump here, but it's fake. And so he would take water, and he, this isn't what he focused on, but he, he said, I wonder, I wonder how water would react to words or thoughts or emotions or messages that are given to it, thinking nothing would happen. So he tried some water, and in his lab, he, um, he has a way of freezing it quickly. And so he would freeze it and then take pictures of the water molecules. So he filled one jar of, well, not a jar necessarily, of little Petri dishes. He filled them, and he would communicate to them. So he, and what I mean by communicate, he did different things. He did all kinds of different studies. But he started first by just putting the word love in Japanese on water, and then he put it on hate on another one. Just put, like, the word on there, and he put the intention into it, and then he put one over here and one over here, and then he flash froze it, and he took pictures of it. And he noticed that the crystals that were formed were different. And he's like, hmm. It, he didn't expect that. That's what you do with experiments. You test something out. You see what's going So they were different, and then he just kept going. And then he decided to get, he started experimenting with different kinds of water. And he used tap water. He used, you know, bottled water. He used water from a stream, rainwater. He eventually used some, what he felt was the best water to use was some water from some uh, stream that was up in the mountains in Japan where he was. And then he got a better camera, and he got a better freezing machine. So it, would be, it was at negative uh, 14 degrees, and that way it would freeze it quicker, and he got a clear camera. So here are some of the images. This is uh, with love, sometimes written. This one particularly was spoken to, so water spoken to with love, and, and the waters would form crystals. Uh, if he spoke idiot to the same water, the molecules would look like this. Um, for hope, and for love, actually, it looked a little bit close to that with like the accumulation of all the molecules when you saw the loved one. Um, and so it makes you think, if these blessings and these curses, which is what he's doing, are doing it to this water, what do our thoughts and our words do to us, do to each other. Because that's what I felt at the counter call. I'm like, something's not right. Um, we weren't saying this, but it's almost as if the, the molecules within me kind of felt like this. Like, this is the one for I hate you. And this is the one for thank you. Now, the thing about it is, is, is this experiment, it has a lot of holes in it, um, but still, this, is, I haven't, this isn't the first time I've heard this. In fact, um, I heard a biologist say this, and I thought this was very appropriate. You don't even, well, let me read this first. So this biologist, uh, Dr. Mark Pagel, he was talking about the, the power, the impact of our words, and so he studies that from a biological standpoint. 
And through his studies and his experiments, this is what he said. He says, we, our words have the power through language to implant our ideas into someone else's mind or into their soul. That's the power of words. That's the power of thoughts. That's the power of, of messages, emotions. That's what they have the power to do. We didn't need to run this experiment to know that, right? Like uh, in psychology, in the world that uh, we run in a lot, um, we see this all the time. This one uh, article said, uh, talking about the long-lasting pain of childhood verbal abuse. And this is what it says. It says, we respond more deeply and quickly to criticism than to praise. Now, why is that? It's because we're geared to have this fight or flight response. And so when something negative comes in, we'll respond to that more quickly because we are designed for survival. And so we react. It affects us. It implants within us, and it, it changes us. But do you, did you really need me to show you this, these pictures? Did you really need me to tell you what the, the scientists say? I mean, I, I could give you quantum um, physics and what they've discovered about positivity and negativity and speaking into people's lives and how it affects molecules, how it affects matter. But you know it, don't you? I mean, you know what this is like. I didn't need all these experiments to sit there at the counter table and go, something's not right here. Something doesn't feel right. I didn't use the words righteousness. I didn't use the words evil, but that's what it was. It's, it's either building up or it's breaking down. It's either blessing or it's cursing. This is what thank you looks like. This is what you disgust me looks like. Did you know, you know this, but think about this in comparison to what you've just seen. Your body is 75% water. And so I'm going through this study, and I'm, and I'm going back to what I remember from biologists and psychologists and quantum physics and quantum mechanics and just common sense and going, that's why I don't feel right. And if I don't feel right, then my kids aren't feeling right. And my wife's not feeling right. And people, if they enter into our home, you can walk into the home and feel that. And so during Lent, we wrestled with this as a family. And I, I, as I study this and wrestle with it, I want to share with you what I've discovered for me. And hopefully it helps you. Jim is, is closing the, today, and he's like, so... What are you going to talk about? I said, man, good luck with this. I'm going to send you my notes, but I don't know how this sucker's going to fly. So you might have to fix it all at the end. Um, but let's look at the passage here. Because as we look at this passage in Philippians 4.8, we need to realize that our souls soak up what's around us. And our souls have the ability to bless or to curse others if they're surrounded by us. So... Let's look closely. So in this passage, and I don't know which translation you have, but it's Philippians 4, 8. If you're not already there, go there. If you haven't already memorized it, this is your first day of memorization. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, Dwell on these things. Paul is writing these words at the end of his letter to this small church in Philippi. And he's trying to 
tell them you need to immerse yourself in this. You know when you say finally, it's like, okay, if I, if I could sum it all up, if I could get something across to you, this is what it is. That's why you say, okay, well, like when, when we send our kids out for a sporting event to school or to the test or to anything, it's like it, we want the last words to stick because that's probably all they're going to remember if they remember anything. So finally, he's trying to say, do this. And so the verb that I want us to focus on here is the word dwell. Because we can look at true and honorable and just and whatever is pure and lovely, and we can try to break down those words, but you know what it is, right? You know what is good. You know what is pure. You know what is honorable. You know what is true. Doesn't mean you always want to hear it or feel comfortable with it, but when it's there, you know it. You know when it's true. But what does it mean to dwell on these things? Some of your translations will say to think about these things. So the word that's being used here, it's a word that's used in many different ways in, in the Greek language. It means to, uh, to count or to calculate. Um, and it also means to think, but not just to think about, but it means like your thoughts must continually dwell on. Or to, um, to dwell, it, 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 that's why the, the translation, some use the word dwell. It's like you move in there. It's like, have this be on your doorpost. Have your rugs be trust. Live in that. Surround yourself. May the hangings on your walls be pure. The kitchen. May the kitchen be worthy of praise. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about how nice your kitchen is or how clean it is, but the idea of that you are living in this, that you've made this your home, that you're surrounded by it. Not part-time, but full-time. So these these things, that which is just and pure, that which is excellent, we surround ourselves with it completely. So, as I was trying to figure out what this would look like, sorry it keeps uh, flying all over the place here on my uh, iPad. What does it look like to dwell on these things? What does it look like to... So, you know what, have you ever done, I know I've talked about it here before on a Sunday, hot seat. We try to do it with our family where you, if it's their birthday or something special, they come in, everybody says something nice about them, right? Well, there's other times that we do that. There's um, weddings, award ceremonies, memorials, and there's this tension when it's happening. It's not so much at funerals. We had Wendy's funeral um, on Friday, and there was such beauty there as people were saying these amazing things about Wendy but Wendy was one of my friends and if Wendy was here she's one of those unique people that if you said amazing things to her she'd be one of the few like well give me some more like most people don't do that right like when we do this with our family there's a couple people that get angry we are not doing it for my kids we do it for the kids but not me now why because it just doesn't feel right to have someone say those things to you. And I've experienced that where people are saying things to me. And when they say it to me, it's almost like I'm going, no, don't do that. But the other hand's going, bring it on. And when it comes in, it just feels so good. But as they say it, and as it sits there, something else also happens. I start to go, yeah, but that's nice. 
I mean, really, could that be what you're, I mean, they're saying these things about me that are excellent and that are, that are pure and worthy of praise, but that couldn't be me. It's like we are, as humanity, we surround ourselves with negative stuff, and we grab onto anything that's negative more than we grab onto positive because, as we talked about, this flight or this fight or flight thing that's within us, we, we have to protect ourselves. So if there's something negative, we're going to grab onto that first. And so we spend our life grabbing onto all this which is negative. And so when something true and pure about us comes, it's like we can't believe it. And that's why some of those people don't want to hear at Hot Seat or at awards or when they win something. It's like, yeah, but, because it just doesn't seem like it could be real. These messages of positivity, the messages of truth, they can't be true because I don't feel that way. And that's why we need to dwell on these things because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And as we've talked about so many times, God does not make mistakes. So you need to figure out a way to dwell on that which is true about you. So what we're really talking about here are blessings and curses. I mean, that's really what that pseudoscientist is doing. That's really what we're talking about in, when we talk about positivity and negativity. We're talking about blessing or cursing. And we've studied this before, but I want to circle back to it. Joshua was leading the people of Israel, and God was speaking to him on how to lead. And he's talking to all of the Israelites. And so God said this, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you, I've placed it right before you, life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, not just breathe, not just operate, but have life in you, to be fully alive. Because we have the choice set before us. When we're sitting there at the counter, we have that choice. When Steph and I are out together or waking up early or we're really tired, we have the choice to choose life or death, choose blessing or curse. In the workplace, when a situation pops up, we have the choice to choose blessing or curse. One's going to bring life and one's going to bring death. In relationships with our neighbors, we have that choice before us. So the word bless, the clearest way that we can communicate this, there's, there's several different descriptions of this word, but when they use the word bless in Hebrew, one of the things that it means is it means, to bless means to kneel before another. So if I were like to, to bless, it would also say like with Janet, if I was to bless Janet, I would, I would go down lower than her. Now we don't do that nowadays here, do we? Right? Because it just seems weird. Like, what are you doing? Why are you so low? Are you proposing to me? I mean, that's where proposing comes to, right? That's the imagery of a, of a husband. Well, not yet, but a man who said, look, you are so valuable that I want to spend my life with you. Lowering himself below the woman that he wants to honor because she's that valuable. That's what it means when you bless, you're communicating value. Another definition of bless, as we've talked about before, they would use it in scales when you're measuring. They didn't have like 
dimes and nickels. They had like coins and it was their weight. It was all the same material, all the same material that would operate on those coins was their weight. And so the idea of a blessing is the scale when you put the weight down, you're blessing. It, it, it would communicate value because you're adding weight to them. Does that make sense? So it's a blessing to say I'm adding weight to you because you are so valuable. But cursed, and you got to remember this is a desert people. Water is valuable. And so they would use, the word curse would mean to subtract, to pull away, but it referred to water. So it would mean, um, you could use the word curse for a, a trickle or a muddy stream. Why is it muddy? Because there's not enough water. So there's dirt, but there's just not enough water there. It, it means, the curse means to dam it up higher up so that when it got down here, there was no life because there's no water. So the curse means to block it, to keep the blessing from coming. So instead of a blessing, you would curse by stopping the blessing, stopping the water, and you cut it off. I mean, that imagery is so real. I mean, I go right back to that countertop or any other interaction you're thinking about right now. And you can see when the blessing is opened up. When we do hot seat, when we do um, these, these, these periods of time where we bless other people, you can see the life entering in. Um, we've done it a couple times. Just with these people in your lives, that, like think about the people in your lives that you think, we just need to have a party for them just because. Because they're just amazing. And they don't know it. Now maybe they know it, but you just want to, you want to bless. It's within us. We want to give that. And so um, we don't do it enough, but a couple times, I've seen people take someone and say, hey, come on over. Why don't you come over to our house? We're going to have dinner together. And they come there, and they get, it's almost like an intervention. Except they're not confronting on something negative. They're instead coming in and saying, we brought all these people here to bless you. You are so amazing. We don't know if you know that. And the crazy thing is the people that you think need it the least are the ones that need it the most because they don't see it. And to see their faces during this time when people are, are sharing what is true about them, when they are sharing what is pure, what is just, just, what is honorable, what is worthy of praise, what is excellent, you can see them. It's hard for them to take it, but you can also see life coming into their body. And whenever, I haven't had one of those parties, but I kind of did. And I've shared this plenty of times before. I'll give you the very shortened version. But when I was dying... And everybody thought I was dying. They thought, oh, well, let's just do the funeral now. And I mean, literally, they were planning for the funeral. People were selling off my stuff. They were trying to figure out, okay, how's, how's Seth and the kids going to survive without him? And so in that context, people were writing notes and leaving voicemails. And, and I was kind of in and kind of out. And Seth was sharing it with me. And it was bringing life. I got to go to my own funeral. We should not wait for our funerals or someone else's funerals to bless them. That is, if, if there's anything I could get across to us, it would be that. This community of faith that we are in needs to be a place of blessing. Recently, not just in our church, but in some of the other churches and some of our other connections, I'm seeing marriages blow up. 
not sudden. It's a slow cutting off of the trickle. It's the water's flowing and something dams it up and then the, it just stops happening. To dwell in these things means to abide in Christ. Where we even get the name of this church from. John 15, 5. Jesus said, if you abide in me, if you live in me, if you dwell in me, if you saturate yourself in me, live with me. And remember, for those who are part of branches, hopefully you have this memorized. If you is not singular. You have to put on your southern thinking here. Greek thinking, Greek grammar. If y'all would abide in me and I in y'all, you will bear much you will bear life if we embrace Jesus and we embrace each other there will be life that comes out and there's a common denominator in these marriages they're not embracing Jesus like they used to they do it part time maybe on the side or maybe not at all and in terms of not just embracing each other but being around a community of others that they can look to that they can be inspired by they can be surrounded by that are committed, not perfect. None of our marriages are perfect, but there's that commitment of like, I want to die for my spouse. And when others, other marriages are surrounded by other marriages that are seeking that, we rise to the highest level. And so we start to influence each other. And if so many of these couples that I would see that are starting to separate from each other, if they would just be in the community of faith. And I don't mean just show up on a Sunday morning. That's part of it, but that's not it. It's that doing life together. Being inspired by watching how people parent their kids. And it makes you want to rise your level. As I've shared before, I meet with a couple guys and we have kids. And to see what they're trying to do for their kids, it makes me want to rise. It makes me want to bless my kids like I see them. I'm dwelling among people that are working so hard to be true and pure and honorable and excellent. And it makes me want to rise to that level. We need this. We are not meant to be out on our own alone. We need each other, and we need to be intentional about blessing each other and not holding back. And one of the primary things that keeps us from holding back is fear. Well, I don't know. So when you, when you hold back from giving a blessing to someone, you're holding back life from them. I mean, think about it. If I were to come to, like, Jared and say, Jared, you have been a huge blessing in my life. In fact, John Norton said, you know that project we're going to do? You need to talk to Jeremy about it. I was like, why? He's like, because when you were dying, that dude was full of it. Now, do you think Jared right now is like, dude, can you please stop talking to my brother? This makes me feel horrible. I'm telling you, the molecules in his body right now are changing. Why do we hold back in sharing that? Don't wait for people to die to then throw out these blessings. We are called to do that now. In your family, step back, look into the fishbowl and go, okay, how can we be intentional about this? How can we make this life happen? The verse from Deuteronomy goes on to say this. And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. We, this dwelling, this Cinco de Mayo, 
That's my great pronunciation. You're welcome. It's Cinco de Mayo. In our house right now, there's chicken. My hope, I'm not quite sure if we did it yet, but my hope is that it's marinating in this meal. And the more it sits in there and dwells in that, then it's going to take on the flavor of the spices that are in there. Whatever picture it takes for you to have in your head of what this means to dwell in him, to abide in him, to embrace him and to embrace each other. I want that picture to be there. But the picture that I'm going to close with for this, this morning is a different one. It's a, he did an experiment, another one. And it's not so much the experiment, but it's the, I want you to focus on his commitment and his consistency. What he did was, is he, um, he had three, thing, three little containers of rice, clear containers, and he put a little water in there. And for one month, he came every single day, and they were set out. And to one, he would, I know it sounds weird. Can you imagine a scientist doing this? Probably some people don't think he's a scientist. And so he comes up, and he starts talking to this water, and he starts saying, you are loved, respect, embrace. Into this other jar of water, he said, I hate you. You disgust me. And he just repeats that over. He had like a set thing. It wasn't like this big old paragraph. He wasn't freestyling. He had it set what he was going to say for each thing. And the third one, he just ignored. Like he didn't even, address, he didn't even look at it, focus on it. He just was there. And so, but every day for a month, he would do this. Say the same thing. So the water that he, that he was intentional with every day to communicate love and blessing looked like this. So that may not look fantastic to you, but it started to ferment. And it had this, uh, actually a sweet aroma. So there was a change that was going on. So to the other uh, one that he would say, I hate you and I disgust you, it looked like the, the exact same rice, exact same water, clean containers. It looked like this. But the worst one was the one that was ignored. The one that was cut off. And this one. And it was rot and I think to some degree it's justice, but it was all rotting underneath. The other one was kind of darker and changing, but this one was just there was mold and there was decay. When we move forward from here, I hope you don't leave just thinking about these things. Saying, wow, that'd be good. That'd be to leave with good intentions is not what we're talking about. But to leave with a commitment. A commitment to abide in him. A commitment to embrace each other. To try to change the patterns and the routine in our life so that we're a blessing. And it will take a lot of effort because we've learned over the years different patterns, different rhythms, different routines. But let's develop this, in, this commitment, not just intentionality, but a commitment to not only choose that in our own life that we'll listen to, listen to define yourself by that which is true, that which is pure, that which is honorable. Listen to the Lord to define you. He knows you. 
and those you trust and know will be honest with you, let them speak into your life. Sometimes you'll respond, ouch, that hurt. But overall, when they speak into your life, you're going to be able to see yourself more clearly. And you're beautiful. But in the same way, it needs to be a commitment to give it to others. People need this. That's why Jesus said, if y'all would abide in me and I in y'all, you would bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to invite the worship team up. And we are going to um, pray with music. But we're also going to pray with our, our feet and our hands and our mouth. Um, we're going to take communion. And what we're trying to do at Branches now, we had a, a great season of setting up tables and you'd go to the table, and it would just be the, the bread and um, the juice that was there. And the bread, as we know, uh, as Jesus said, he said, take this and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And this is my blood, which is shed for you. And it would just be sitting there on the table. But we've decided that we always want to have somebody there. Because as we're talking about God intended us to bless each other, to serve each other, to be present with each other. So we want someone there. And when you come up, they're going to tell you, this is Christ's body which was broken for you. And you'll take that bread and then you'll dip it in the juice, which they will say, this is his blood which was shed for you. But you need to know that when you're coming up there, before you even got to them, they've been praying for you. Because every person, every group of people that we ask to do that, they're praying for you. They're blessing you as you come up. But take that, and at any time you can participate in taking it. Um, we'll have three songs, um, so you can start right away, or you can just rest in it and dwell in it, whatever works for you. Um, but that's what this time is for. So um, there'll be a, there's a station back here and a station over here. So I'm going to pray for us, and then um, Casey is going to lead us. Father God, we surrender to you. We ask that you would let your word, your truth, your purity fall on us. When we think about abiding in you, Lord, we don't want to just visit you. We want to be disheartened. We want to live with you and be loved by you. So guide us through Holy Spirit. Hey there. I needed that song about three minutes ago. Um, in closing, I, I do my best to give you guys something. So I always want Bert's notes. Sometimes I get a good chunk. This week, not so much. Thanks, Bert. Uh, but it's a, it's a jam-packed verse. Um, and then as Berg goes through his sermon, I always come in with what I think, and then Berg fixes what I think with his sermon. And I get to look at my life and all the things that have transpired over maybe years or months 
and they like start to fill in the blanks. So I I used to have a job that like there was a lot of negativity. And now I work with firemen who don't necessarily know how to work on fire trucks and I do. And so when I just stand next to one, they're so thankful. Like I don't even have to fix it really. I just have to show up and they're so thankful and they're like, Hey, great. Thanks for coming. And they're just so positive. So that like, it makes it a joy to show up and go to fire stations and hang out with those guys. And then over, you know, the last couple of years, I've got to spend some time with some people that fill my life with positivity. Like when I, when I show up and then I get to bless them with that too. And it doesn't, doesn't really, you don't see it that way at the time or, or when it's happening and it's, but it's, it's something that draws you to it. Like you want to spend more time with those people. And then I have a amazing wife who does that same thing for me. She is always encouraging me and, and always telling me that I'm better than I really am. And over the last maybe uh, just a couple of months, I've watched my daughter's life change. Because of like the people she used to spend time with, like they were friends since kindergarten and they grew up and graduated high school together. <coughs> but they all like start to go their own separate ways, just like we've all experienced. And then they start to make life choices that aren't always great and then they you know just their attitudes change and then she's recently just met a group of people that are always blessing her and and speaking life into her life so I've watched that water experiment in my own home with my own child and it's been amazing so <coughs> hopefully we can choose to speak life into the people around us. And now with a message like this, hopefully we'll recognize it. You know, it's like keep it at the forefront of our mind and the decisions we make. So speak that life into the people around you. I'll close in prayer. Father, thank you for a message that has opened my eyes and my heart to the things that you've blessed me with recently and over the years. I pray that you'll give us the eyes to see and the heart to share words of life. Keep us safe this week. Bless our time with our family today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.